every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Well, hello, NFL Draft Insiders, Mel, Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay. I'm Chris Sproul. It's first draft. Each week we get something juicy to work off of. These guys had, uh, these guys had two round mocks yesterday. If you have a television, you probably saw them. But I wanted to dive into something that you guys couldn't get a lot done with on yesterday because you were going through 900 picks. I want to talk a little bit more, dive deep into the fact that the New England Patriots now have Picks at 23, 31, 43, 63, and obviously they have a third-round pick. Patriots have just kind of been their own ecosystem of news, guys, and I'm I'm fascinated here. I think there's a lot of layers. We saw that maybe this was the 30th or 31st defense in the NFL last year. They were exposed in the Super Bowl. We know they need some guys on that side of the ball. Plenty of talk about Gronk's future. And now they have two first round picks. They have a 41 year old quarterback. Todd, you're hearing it on sports radio if you're up there. I, I just saw Ryan Rosilla tweeted out. I just turned on WDEI and the first caller said, Bill's gotta go. Good to be home. What are you hearing around there? And what do you think about the idea that the Patriots are suddenly in play to be one of those teams that could move up for a QB? Oh man, this town is something. I mean, I grew up here. <laughs> And I was, I was like, like Mel, I gave it up when I, when I started in this business and started rooting for some friends in the league. But I grew up, you know, Steve Grogan with the, with the neck brace and oh yeah, Stanley Morgan and, and the whole crew. So I actually got, I got kicked out of my first Super Bowl party. My parents had a Super Bowl party and I swore at halftime when they were getting their tails beaten. And my mom said me to, in 1985, 86, or 86, yep. I think at the time. 85, now, so that, mm-hmm. so I was nine years old, and I dropped an f bomb because the Patriots were getting beat so God. badly, and I didn't mm. see the second half of the game because of it. So mm. anyway, long well, short, you didn't miss much. I, no, I did not miss much. I did not miss much. But uh, <laughs> but this, I mean, my point was growing up here. We we won nothing. That was the closest thing that, that the Patriots ever had to success. And now with the, all the Super Bowls and all the success and winning the division almost every single year, it's amazing how perspective gets lost. Long story short, I, you know, you're a you're not going to please this fan base anymore for a, a long time. And b, long time. I think I think when you look at, at what what Belichick is doing, I think he it. it Kind of last year to me signaled. All right, we are getting towards the end of the run. Let's bring in some veterans. Let's let's attack this because we've got the core in place. Now with Gronkowski threatening retirement and being frustrated, and Brady for the first time ever showing some signs that there could be an end in sight. Whether that's a year from now, three years from now, we don't know. But you just get the sense that the organization and Belichick specifically are starting to look towards a rebuild. And whether that means quarterback or not, I don't know. I it, I think at some point in those first, you know, they've got four picks in the top 63, Mel. Mm-hmm. It won't surprise me at all if they package a couple of them to go target a guy. But I don't know. I, for some reason, and it's just a gut, 
some reason, I don't think it's going to be one of those deals where they package three or four of these, these picks and go get a one of the top four quarterbacks that we've talked about in Darnold, Allen, Rosen, or Mayfield. I, maybe it's just me. I think that they'll sit back. They'll take a, an offensive tackle maybe it, with that 23rd pick, whether it's Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame or Colton Miller from UCLA, one of those guys that okay. is like Nate Solder, and then – and then at some point a little bit later, maybe target one of the second-tier quarterbacks, if you will. Mel, what do you think? Is it is trade-up possibility? I think it's always a possibility. I, I just would go five picks in the first three rounds, something they have not had. They haven't been able to bring in homegrown talent. Last year they went the route of trading for Brandon Cooks, trading for Mick Gillisley, Dwayne Allen, Coney Ealy. And, you know, they got to the Super Bowl and they lost. And, again, they could have very easily won. Um, they won a game against Atlanta. They very easily could have lost. Won a game against Seattle. They very easily could have lost. So they've had all that close, close Super Bowls of late. Really, all of them have been close. But I think you look at New England right now, kind of at a crossroads, because there's no Jimmy Garoppolo sitting there. And we, we wouldn't be having this discussion if Garoppolo was still a Patriot. And that makes you wonder why he isn't still a Patriot. For a second-round pick to the 49ers, and now you're talking about packaging picks that go up and get a quarterback that you don't even know can be Jimmy Garoppolo? Or do you just sit there keep the picks, as Todd mentioned, the two big tackles that kind of look like Solder and Vollmer to me, um, which is what they've had success with, uh, and then take one of those guys, and then there's the corners, the tight ends. It's going to fall well for them because the tackles could be, one of those two tackles could be there at 23. The tight ends, the corners, they could be there. Then you maintain those picks. Then you look at maybe a Kyle Lawletta from Richmond, a Luke Falk, Washington State, a Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State, whoever they like in the second, third round, because they have five picks in the first three rounds. So I would think the way the draft sets up for them position-wise and where these players are going to land, I don't know if I'd worry about moving up for anything. I think you can sit there and fill needs, get good players, maybe get another Jimmy Garoppolo and one of the guys I mentioned, and move forward and 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 do it like the the Dodgers did with Albuquerque as your as your Triple A team. Go homegrown is what I think they want to get back to. You know, after the Super Bowl, we have seen some. I don't know if you want to call them upgrades on defense, but certainly at least some bodies come in. Adrian Claiborne along that defensive line, Danny Shelton. Had some moments, but kind of a mixed bag in Cleveland, his tenure there, but obviously a former first-round pick. We know Belichick likes those. So suddenly you have those two with Malcolm Brown, Trey Flowers, Dante Hightower is back. You do have some pieces in the secondary. Maybe you feel a little bit better about this defense, but you do got to get younger, too. Yeah, and Patrick Chung's coming back for another year. Jason McCourty comes in, Devin McCourty. You know, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, there. I think the defensive side. I don't want to say it's set. I mean, they. Let's put it this way: they need a, a cover linebacker. They could use a Kyle Van Noy cutting it. Right. They exactly. They could use an upgrade at that spot. They could use another corner, uh, get younger and develop a guy. Um, I, I think at some point they're probably going to try to draft a a Patrick Chung type to develop on the on you know this year while Chung is is back. But I don't know the, how many years Chung is, has left in New England. But on the offensive side, I think there's a little more urgency. And I think, obviously, protection for Brady is number one. Um, you know, they just kind of rotate in running backs. I, I don't know that the, that's a, a big need, but it won't surprise me at some point if they bring in another guy and, and see what they can get out of him. But wide receiver, tight end, you know, they, they've really struggled drafting receivers and getting them to work. And I know they brought in Cordero Patterson, who will probably never run a route outside of a nine route and, and get the ball in reverses and help in the return game. I mean, that's basically going to be his role. 
Philip Dorsett, what can they get out of him? Chris Hogan, Ju- Julian Edelman, uh, Malcolm Mitchell. I mean, you know, they're just a bunch of, of guys, but they've won Super Bowls with just a bunch of guys. And so I think Gronkowski is the key, keeping him healthy. I think you draft another tight end. If there's a weapon there, great. You draft a quarterback at some point. I think ta- offensive tackle is the number one priority outside of targeting and going and, and getting your quarterback. But again, you got five picks in the first three rounds, four in the top 63. You can, if you keep all these picks and target a quarterback in round two, you can still get a left tackle that you love. You can get a, a tight end or wide receiver. You can get a cover linebacker and, and the quarterback in the first two rounds. Mel, you know, when I saw them get to number 23, one of the first names that popped in my head was Dallas Goddard or, you know, maybe even a Hayden Hurst. Again, this isn't a knock on Gronkowski or even the uncertainty. In some ways, it's kind of a compliment for Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has been so integral that you have to start thinking about even the possibility. Obviously, health has always been an issue, but if possibility is not there, maybe after this coming year, does that make sense to you? Well, I wouldn't have a problem with it. No, I don't think you would have any issue with that. the ultimate compliment for me. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at what they could get with 23 and 31. It sets up. Some drafts don't set up to, to suit your needs. This draft, because of the tackles, one of those two tackles dropping, the two tight ends, Goddard and Hurst, one of those two, and maybe both could be sitting there. Leighton Vanderish, a linebacker, who will maybe be in that mix and in play there. Um, and then you look at the quarterbacks that we talk about beyond the top group that will be there in the second round. So there's a lot of opportunity here for a team that would like to make one more run, and maybe this runs with some of these young guys playing key roles for Tom Brady, who's nearing the end of the trail. And Todd mentioned all the problems that could arise. Tom Brady has allowed them to overcome a lot of issues. With, an, with a mm-hmm. decent to good quarterback, they would have never been near the Super Bowl. Right. So it's Tom Brady carrying this team in a lot of years uh, to a Super Bowl and winning some and then losing a couple uh, that they probably look back and say, oh, we should have won. And some of the ones they won, maybe they should have lost. But the bottom line is Brady. How much longer does Brady play at a high level? Maybe, Maybe two years tops. That's all you have left with this this run of Belichick Brady together. This is the first time since since it started. And what? Jeez, what was it? Oh, I don't Basically even know 2000. what year it was. Yeah, right. Oh, one. I was going to say. Right. Uh, this is the first time in what? So seventeen years that I felt like you can feel it coming. Like legitimately feel the end is nearing. The frustration from Brady. You know, the Tom versus time, there were very clear indicators there that it, it's tugging at him. You know, when is going to be the end? He wants to play. His wife, Giselle, is kind of on him a little bit, and he wants to be appreciated. And all. You've never heard any of this stuff before. And then Gronkowski comes out, and right after the Super Bowl, I, I mean, we saw Roethlisberger do the same thing. A lot of guys are emotional. They're exhausted. It's a long season, right. and they say things that they probably don't really mean once they – regather their thoughts and have a few weeks to to just kind of decompress. But Gronkowski still hasn't, you know, he's kind of mentioned that he's probably coming back likely, but he hasn't specifically said I'm coming back. And there's, he's just, he, the, people are acting differently in the organization for the first time ever. And I just, I'm sensing the end is coming soon. And I just wonder, is Belichick, Planning on staying, like, is he building for the future or is he looking to, hey, let's get one or two more runs and he's, he's going to move on. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch. But Mel, you're absolutely right. I mean, this, this comes down to Brady because ultimately as great, I mean, he may be the, the greatest coach in the history of football. When we look back on it, at least from a resume standpoint, Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. 
But when you look at the personnel, it's it's okay. He's they've coached it up and they've done a great job of, of team. But this isn't a, an organization that has been just knocking it out of the park year in and year out drafting. I mean. The Eagles are drafting better. The Vikings have drafted better in years past. And you could probably list seven, eight teams. I mean, last year, I mean, I know they started in the third round, but those they didn't get much from their rookie class. Cyrus Jones hasn't produced enough. Um, Jacoby Brissett got them a little bit of value in the trade, but really Malcolm Mitchell was probably their only real consistent he's not even consistent contributor from 2016 2015 Malcolm Brown's been a good player Jordan Richards no Geno Grissom no Trey Flowers has been a good player after that Trey Jackson no um Shaq Mason's been up and down they had like 12 picks in 2015 and probably got three contributors out of that group Dominic Easley the first round pick in 2014 hasn't been great Jamie okay. Collins they traded away I mean you go on and on this team Aaron Dobson right after Jamie Collins this team has missed a lot in the draft, and they've because of Brady and because of Gronkowski, they've been able able to kind of overcome all of this. And, and think and, about this, Todd. With when Brady didn't have Gronk, he still won. When Brady didn't have Edelman, he still won. No, he's the yeah. greatest Brady. eraser this, this is all, in this football is all, history. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is the guy who cures all ills. I mean, you can have no all question. these issues, and there's Brady, number twelve, who will go down as the greatest quarterback of all time, ahead of Joe Montana Agreed. slightly. And because of Brady, this team has overcome a lot of bad draft choices that hey, other organizations would have been ripped for. Okay, they would have been yep. ripped for the mistakes that they made, and they would have been catastrophic, and they would have contributed to six and ten, four and twelve seasons. But number twelve, this—I think this adds to his greatness. This this really defines him as the greatest of all time. The fact that mediocre personnel in a lot of positions has looked a lot better than it really is because of number twelve. Well, you can you look at go ahead, Tom. Where you are, where you live, where you live, uh, Mel, the Ravens. I mean, we'll get into them. We'll get into them later on this podcast, but. You know, for the great run that Ozzy and, and that whole crew, uh, DaCosta and, and all of their personnel people had, you know, in recent years, they haven't drafted as well. And because they don't have an eraser and Flacco's just, just a guy, they haven't been able to overcome it. And I think this, it's a prime example of what one guy can do for an organization. Yeah, I think it's the difference between being good, which we would say Joe Flacco's a good quarterback. He's got a Super Bowl. Yeah, he had a solid. great run in the play. He's a good quarterback. Is he great? And that's the difference between, we always expect, Decent to good to be great. Well, there's only so many great players. Then that's why I hate the word great thrown around to everybody haphazardly. Because great is only a few. It's not everybody. It's about five or six great. Yeah, yeah this great term drives me crazy. Great, great, great. No, it's not. Okay, he's decent to good. He's good. Be happy with good. <laughs> if you expect great from good, you may be very disappointed and frustrated and scream and yell a lot. And bang but if you have good, you, you better you better have you better a Jaguars have, yeah, exactly. lineup or a Vikings yeah, yeah, lineup or yeah, an great, Eagles lineup. Great can win with mediocre talent. Good needs great talent. At, at bottom exactly. line, okay. So that, it's just if, it's, be realistic, everybody, about what you have and where you are. So let's ask this one question because Todd. Todd pointed to, you know, which is kind of the question we're asking right now, is Belichick, are they looking at this offseason as prime for, you know, one or two or maybe even three years out of Brady? I mean, he is he he has been ageless. He's past the point where we should have been declining. Or do you take a wild shot here? Now, one of the names thrown out earlier this week was Odell Beckham. If it was me, I would shoot that rumor into the sun. Todd, do you see... Any thought process that could get them to going with Odell Beckham? I do want to point out the reason I've been down on this idea, this concept, is because it's not like when they went out and got Randy Moss, they gave up two first-round picks for him. Randy Moss was on the outs in Oakland. 
and they saw an opportunity. But they've also had David Givens as a Super Bowl MVP. They've won it with Dion Branch. They've won it with guys, not great players, guys, and Brady makes it work. What do you see when you when you saw a note like that? Hey, why don't you go get Odell Beckham? I I don't see it. I just think I just think the distraction that he he would become, the amount of money they would have to pay him, and the contract that they would have, they they live by by very strict rules. They'll never pay salary. a guy the most at his position. I don't even think Ty Law ever got to that point. Brady's yeah, and never even got to that point. And if you if you study their salary cap, which I haven't done this year, but I did a year ago. I mean, they're they're always trying to get ahead. When everyone was paying wide receivers and different positions, they were paying safeties and their tight end, obviously Gronkowski, and and kind of as the shift came to using matchup pieces and getting more cover guys on the field, they they had been about a year or two ahead of that. It also helps that Tom Brady is married to Giselle and and is worth a billions of dollars and he can restructure his contract a little bit and play around with it and and they also had several years when he was a six-round pick and for I think what four years he wasn't making any money so they've been fortunate in that case they've also been ahead of the curve in terms of where they're paying money and they have never ever overpaid especially at certain positions like running back Wide receiver, I don't even remember the deal with, with Randy Moss. But let's be honest. And I know they got to a Super Bowl a and they four. put up a huge number. They they never won a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. Don't forget that. Everyone talks about those were the glory days. They never won a Super Bowl with him. So when they've paid, they have always stuck to their guns on salary cap, even when it has made every player in the organization angry because they're losing a good friend and a core player. Saw it, just, with it Nate has Solder. never mattered. We just saw it with Nate yeah, Solder. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it just doesn't matter. Yep. They live by strict rules, and it, and you know what? You can call them heartless. You can call them whatever you want. It's worked. Period. Yeah. yeah and, and, and also, ahead, real Mel. quick, if you're going to give uh, Odell Beckham, if Gettleman's going to trade Odell Beckham, he's going to want a lot in return. Yeah. Just because yeah. receivers aren't produced in the first two rounds, we've done that over you know, 50 million times in the last three weeks about those numbers about receivers. But I think you look at Beckham, those 23, 31, that's what they have. They don't have a high pick. They're picking it right now at 23 and 31. They have two twos and a three. You know, Gettleman's got to get, we said about the Rams, I would have given up three ones on the Rams. I mean, the Rams got cooks for a one. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know, Beckham's a top level player. Who's still very young? He's worth that. Whether you say, well, it's too much money to pay to go, then he ends up staying with the Giants. Okay, if that's it, they stays with the Giants, and if he plays to the level, they're happy they didn't trade him. Some of the best trades are the ones you don't make. Okay, so if the Giants do bounce back and become a playoff team, it will be because of Odell Beckham. So this notion that they're going to give Odell Beckham away, they can't give Odell Beckham away. He's one of the few number one picks that have been produced in the first two rounds of the draft the last seven years. So it, it ain't happening. These picks aren't high enough to, to give to, to entice the Giants to make that deal. Guys, to cap this, we talked a lot about kind of a fascinating situation, really. And Todd can turn on his radio right now and gather more of it. But, uh, you know, bottom line, you know, the, the thing we also need to point out. So this Brandon Cooks trade that happened, the Patriots, according to what we've been told, the Patriots were negotiating with Brandon Cooks. They didn't want to get to that number. As Todd pointed out, they've made it, they've made it work with receivers that come a lot cheaper. They think that they have a cure for that. His name, it's, that's number 12. So they couldn't get the deal done with Brandon Cooks at the number he wanted. There's been some big numbers thrown to wide receivers this offseason. So he ends up in L.A., you know, with the Rams, who recently also didn't want to go the crazy number that Sammy Watkins got. So you see that. 
Um, it's just going to be a fascinating situation. I tend to think they really, you know, you, you guys have noticed the tackles, but I don't think trading down is totally out of the question. Everybody thinks, oh, they got 23 and 31. They could move up, but this is a team that needs tackles on both sides. This is a team that needs more youth, more speed on the defensive side of the ball. Todd mentioned a covered linebacker, which was hugely exposed in the Super Bowl. Um, there's, there's a lot of work to do. Mel, I'll give you the final question. Would you be surprised if they didn't move up for a quarterback but still took one in round one? Maybe it, it on your boards it could be a bit of a reach. Maybe it's a Lamar Jackson. Maybe it's a Mason Rudolph. Would that surprise you? Not at all. They have to. I mean, they have five picks in the first three rounds. There are yeah. some decent quarterback prospects. And let's face it, we say decent because we don't know how good they'll be. What was Brady considered when he came out? Was he even considered a decent prospect late in round six? Uh, I don't even consider him a decent prospect at that point. people to Brady. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but it's what it gets down to. I mean, yeah. when Garoppolo was picked in the second round, it was, it was, he was considered a decent to good prospect. Okay. Well, I, I think they wish they had Garoppolo now, Todd. I, I just look at that Garoppolo thing and say, why isn't he still Garoppolo a was the beginning of the end, in my opinion. And it, what it, happened it, there? I mean, I can't believe well, he's still not well a Well beyond just losing him, it was the, the power struggle. And I, you know, I can't say I specifically know, but I feel pretty good that I, you know, that we know what happened there and, and that Tom Brady went over coach's head out of frustration and, and wanted, wanted it done, wanted it over with and wanted to quote unquote feel appreciated. And it's also, I think, Tom, I this think is because also, Belichick, uh, Go Belichick ahead. loved Garoppolo. Yeah. He loved Garoppolo. I know that for a fact. And he had every reason to. Garoppolo did everything he was supposed to do. He showed up. He followed in the, in the Patriot way, in the Brady way. He was as good or, or better than advertised coming out of school. And he was going to be the next guy. He could have been Brady so, Jr. in New England. You know, I mean, he was he get, brought, he was brought along the lines to, to be a sponge with Brady. You watch the way he moves and no throws question. and acts. Todd, Todd, it was And the reason, they, the uh, reason that, that he took a go. bad deal. The oh. reason he took a bad deal for it, and the first time he's ever done anything with any kind of emotion in the history of Belichick Patriot way, is because he loved the kid and didn't want to see him go to Cleveland or somewhere where he was going to fail. He knew that Kyle Shanahan would do a great job with him, and he wanted to see him succeed because it was part of his legacy, and he gave him away. Kraft said, according to everything I've heard, Kraft said, hey, get rid of him. We got to get rid of him because Brady wants him out of town and Brady's our guy. We're, we're riding our, with our horse. And when he did, he's all right. If I'm going to get rid of him, I'm going to get rid of him the way I want to do it. And I'm going to make sure this guy succeeds. And you know what? Garoppolo, so far, so good. It's also teaching tape, Todd, to not have, to not have the quarterback who never wants to retire and the young guy who really wants to play not have the same agent. But that's another story. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it, it, here's the other part though. Let's look at the, yeah. the opposite side of it. What what if Brady plays three more years? So you're going right. to ruin Garoppolo's career to have them as a backup? I mean, and pay him. Belichick Belichick was on his way to doing it. He would he would have done it as long as he could have. But it just, from what I understand, what a lot of people have reported, it it, it was a decision that was made over his head. If yeah, and there's it, only it, one it, guy that's over his head. It was kind of going on the, the the track of reminding me of when they had Steve Young, Bill Walsh did with. Joe Montana. Mm -hmm. Joe Montana Tough had been decision. near the end of the career, but you had Steve Young waiting in the wings at some point and say, hey, we just got to move Joe out and go with Steve Young. They did that, sent Joe to Kansas City. The rest is history. Now, I don't think Brady's ever going to play with anybody else but the Patriots. Hopefully he doesn't. I don't think nobody, anybody want, nobody wants him to play with anybody but the Patriots. But in the case of Montana Young, that's what happened. And Garoppolo Brady was heading in that direction. 
All right. We hit the Patriots pretty well there. Yeah. Dion Branch was the MVP, not David Givens. Don't at me. 500 tweets landing on me from uh, Boston listeners right now. Guys, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to jump into the always fun during draft time AFC North because the Cleveland Browns are there. The Cleveland Browns. Todd, I'm excited here. We got Josh Gordon. We got Corey Coleman. We got Jarvis Landry. I kind of like the tackle situation. It's not a total train wreck. We got David Njoku. Now we have Tyrod Taylor, our perfect, you know, uh, duct tape uh, uh, offense together quarterback to give us the bridge year. Come on. You got to be pretty fired up. Who are you going to take at number one? You keep going Darnold. Mel keeps going Allen. Are we going to stick with that till the end? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't know who they're going to take, and I don't think they've decided <laughs> who they're going to take at this point. I That's would take problem. Sam Darnold. Kuiper would take Allen. I think we're wasting our breath if we if we spend any more time on that. I think we covered that for about 12 straight hours yesterday. No way to kill this uh, thing. But which, let's put it this way. Whichever quarterback they take, if they hit on that guy and develop him properly, and they sit there at four and Saquon Barkley's there, or even, Mel, even if Barkley goes two and you wind up with Bradley Chubb, I mean, is that a whole – <laughs> a horrible situation or or even I, mean, I don't know that you would draft a guard with, with that given their offensive line but you know Bradley Chubb with Miles Garrett and I know you know uh, Ogba Emmanuel Ogba came in last year but it, it, it's just it's going to be a good situation regardless and then you have three second round picks as well so I, they are set up for success and John Dorsey came in he hasn't had to do a ton Jarvis Landry gives a possession receiver. He's got a quarterback in place in Tyrod Taylor who can be a bridge for a year or half a year or however long he needs to be. Carlos Hyde is a little bit of an underrated back with Duke Johnson who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, there's there's some excitement in Cleveland. And you were the first one to say it. You said it months ago. You know, this team could turn it around in two years and be in the playoffs. And I was kind of like, hmm. And now I'm like, hmm. They got a lot of guys. <laughs> Well, yeah, I they've got some my, young dudes. Yeah, I mean, 13 players John Dorsey brought in. 13. He's already added before all these draft picks even take place coming up. I mean, you mentioned some of them. Hubbard on the offensive line with Stevenson, who, of course, he had in Kansas City. Uh, but then the secondary with Randall and Carey and Mitchell and Gaines. Then he adds Fells. He brings in Janice. I mean, guys that are just going to help out Fells' blocker, but guys are going to help out in terms of depth and giving you that third, fourth option to the position. Uh, to me, they're set up beautifully. If they hit on this quarterback, and it's so key for them, and it's been the way it's been for the Browns all along. I mean, they passed on Roethlisberger. They passed on Wentz. We know who they passed on, in addition to Deshaun Watson and Derek Carr, and the list goes on and on and on. But if they hit on this quarterback, and I'm not down. People, I, I'm not a Darnold hater, Todd. I like Sam Darnold. So this yeah, person, because I like John, I, I like Sam Darnold. I, I thought it said in September he looked special, and when he played that, that Stanford game, the Texas game, and then all of a sudden the wheels came off a little bit, but I like Sam Darnold. I hope you can recreate what we saw, and I think maybe the bad habits get get put kicked to the curb he improves then dramatically over what we saw in some of those games and he's back to the way he looked fine i like say if they take darn around whoever i hope they hit on that quarterback because if they hit on that quarterback and that quarterback is like it's wentz or golf like and, and this reminds me of the golf wentz winston mariota you know one and one a you got two guys that are really good and they're going to both have some time because ty rod taylor is there but the bottom line is if they hit on this quarterback with the talent that they're bringing in via the the route we just talked about in terms of free agency and now the draft and with the Ravens situation with Flacco and the Steelers with Roethlisberger, hitting retirement, he's not going to play forever, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Uh, I I said own the division in two, three years, and I'm going to hold to that. I think the Browns can own this division two, three years down the road. 
one thing I'll point about about Cleveland is I, I do think that the Tyrod Taylor thing is really fascinating. Tyrod Taylor, a lot of mixed opinions on him around the league. A lot of questions about what the ceiling is as a passer. One thing he doesn't do is throw picks, and that absolutely destroyed the Browns last season. Anytime they got anything going, there was red zone picks, there was turnovers, there was fumbles. So it'll be really interesting to see, as Todd and, and Mel both pointed out, as this talent, young talent, you know, kind of spackled over with a lot of with some veterans that have come in in key positions. If they just don't shoot themselves in the foot over and over, you could see a really a big spike. As Let Mel, me just say one thing. Chris. Mel's Let me pointed say one out thing. though that Dorsey, when he went mm-hmm. to Kansas City, that was a two and fourteen team. They they went with a quarterback and Alex Smith. All they said is don't turn the ball over. They went eleven and five. I'm not going yeah. there, but Mel, I think you're going to point out there's there's a lot to look at here. A lot to look at. I just want to point out that Todd always talks about these draft picks. These draft picks they have basically four first round picks, right? Because the mm-hmm. third, the second round picks are thirty three and thirty five. So you could argue that's four. For, that's two high first rounds, one and four, and two high second round. That's like four. That's four big time players you're getting in addition to uh, that third round pick. So you know you're talking about uh, you know an awful lot, uh, you know, which they gave up that first pick in the third round would have been another one. So that first pick in the third round for Tyrod Taylor. That's why I say Tyrod Taylor wasn't a throwaway. This wasn't a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick. This was the first pick in the third round that they sent to Buffalo for, for Tyrod Taylor. He's the quarterback this year. So this notion that, that, that Allen or Darnold are going to play, not, they're not starting the season. I don't, I, I'll tell you, they're not, it's not, Wentz was supposed to be redshirted and Bradford got hurt. That's going to be the case unless Taylor gets hurt. You know, whoever the quarterback is in Cleveland, be it Darnold or Allen or whoever, they're not playing this year. The Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals, kind of in their usual spot, middle, drafting in the middle of round one, never high enough to be a Super Bowl contender, and never low enough to really finally reboot it. At least that's kind of been the story during Marvin Lewis's tenure. Middling is kind of the word. Mel, I'll let you get us started here. Cincinnati... Um, there's some possibilities here. Now they're picking 21 overall. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the the game plan is here? I think they added Cordy Glenn. Uh, they brought him over. You know, in the trade uh, Preston Brown. They help out at linebacker. Perfect, obviously, is is a heck of a player if you can just keep him focused and and keep him on the field. Uh, I look at this team right now Four and I, four I, games. Yeah, exactly. And I think I, Leighton Vanderish, the linebacker at Boise State, the offensive line still an issue because they didn't get the what center they position. Yeah, I mean the offensive line protecting Dalton. They got this is a team. I wouldn't say it across this because Marvin Lewis is back, and they have some personnel at crossroads. He's back they, every year. Well, he's back, but I think this is a team that really with Dalton, you know, they have a plateau quarterback and a plateau coach. Is what everybody views them as. We had a quarterback mm-hmm. who could get us to the playoffs. We had a coach who could get us to the playoffs. But beyond that, we can't win a playoff game with either one, the coach or the quarterback. But they're both returning. They're both back. We knew Dalton would be back, and we didn't know about Marvin. Marvin's back. At the team, the personnel at the with this team isn't bad. They have some star power on this team. But yeah, I would say need-wise, uh, we talked about linebacker is an area where, you know, if they do go Van Der Esch, the offensive line, uh, you know, the secondary, they could maybe use a corner defensive tackle if they want to throw that into the mix. But, you know, I look at this team, Todd, you know, Eifert can't stay healthy. You know, that, that's been an issue with them. When he's in the, on the field, they're a different offense, but he's been hurt a mm-hmm. lot. 
uh, you know, it's just not it, lately. It hasn't come together. They've had some critical injuries that have affected this team. They're a very fragile team because if a couple guys aren't playing at a high level or they're not out there because of it, they really drop back dramatically. So if you can keep your core group of stars on the field, the Bengals are a threat to be in the mix for a, a wild card or, or certainly a playoff spot. Well, here's the frustration: you you draft two tackles, you spend two. Uh, no, it was a first and a second round pick on mm-hmm. uh, a boy yeah, and, yeah. and Fisher from mm-hmm. uh, Oregon, and they did it ahead of time. At, at the time that they did it, they were, they were going into a year where their offensive tackles were what, 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 during, yeah. you know, their free agent. Mm-hmm. So it was brilliant. They were it was visionary. They were looking ahead. They did all the right things, and then they just didn't really hit on them. And now they got to bring in Cordy Glenn. Now, wide receiver, you've got A.J. Green. Brandon LaFell's just a guy. You draft Tyler Boyd in the second round two years ago and John Ross in the first round. Come on. You know, I mean, you, you know you got to get extra weapons. You know you got to get guys that can run after the catch to, to complement A.J. Green. So you spend a first and you spend a second, and they're just not getting enough. So is it the receivers or is it the quarterback and, or is it the system? And you draft Joe Mixon in the second round last year, uh, Gio Bernard, you've had, you've had talent at the running back position. They just have had too many talented players and they've tried to do the right things in terms of drafting and staying ahead and, and providing extra pieces. And it's just, for whatever reason, it's, it has not come together. And yes, Tyler Eifert has been injured. So maybe drafting another tight end, a guy that can, that can be a compliment to him, can be a number two and be another pass catcher that can step in if he's injured again is, is one, one thing. But when you have AJ Green and you got a first and a second round pick and a, and a, a veteran in LaFell, like there's enough weapons here to be successful on the offensive side. So it's either the coaching or it's the quarterback. One of the two, in my opinion. And something has got to change or be tweaked moving forward. The Baltimore Ravens. And I quote, you might be surprised at who we pick at 16 this year. If we pick at 16, <laughs> Ozzie Newsome came out and said that. I believe it was yesterday. He's throwing down the gauntlet, Mel. You know He's what? Going out guns blazing. Mel is going to, uh, yeah. Ozzy's saying, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. I got, uh, this is it. <laughs> hey, Todd, I'll let you start because I know Mel's going to f- uh, finish with a flourish here. What are you looking at? Well, I think the Ravens need playmakers. I think quarterback is in play at some point. I'll, I'll let Mel handle all of that. <laughs> I, I, w- I, I do think. Lamar Jackson would be interesting here. I'm not saying that's the route I would go, but I think that that would be interesting. I do think a Calvin Ridley. I know Mel thinks it would be too rich at 16, and he, you don't think you're going to take him. But DJ I Moore. personally, personally, he's the kind of guy they need. I think they need more guys that aren't necessarily big speed guys, vertical down the field. I think they need to get the ball out of uh, Flacco's hands and and get guys that can create after the catch. I, I think at tight end they could use upgrade. And there's some, a couple spots on the defensive side, but I personally think, Mel, that finding more playmakers and guys around the quarterback position is the way to go for uh, for the Ravens this year. Yeah, never discount Ridley. I, I just thought it was be a little high considering the vertical, which wasn't mm-hmm. out of the room. We thought we've debated 40 speed, which was okay. The vertical, the explosive athleticism for the 16th pick, say a little rich, but he's a heck of a football player potentially, and we know what he did at Alabama without a great quarterback throwing the football. Um, I'm being generous there, saying not great uh, and kind, but I think when you look at, at, at Ridley, yeah, Ridley would be in play. I think Ridley would be at 16. 
15. They're going to get into the 20s, yeah. Could they trade down? They've, they've done that in the past, trading down, not necessarily up. So I think this Lamar Jackson's out there. That's what, when Ozzie makes that comment, that's what everybody was asking me. I'm getting texts coming home last night, driving back from Connecticut. It's, it's, it's going to be Lamar Jackson. It's going to be Lamar. That's what Ozzie was talking about. He was, he was giving you a hint that it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Well, I don't, I don't know if it'll be Lamar Jackson or not. We know about Joe Flacco's back and we know about the issues about not being the first one in the building or last one out and all this. We talked about it. When you're winning tide, you're calm, cool, collected. When you're losing, you're lethargic. You don't care enough. You're not passionate enough. That's just the way it is in this, in this country and in this league. Uh, I just think when you look at, at the, at this situation here, offensive line, the Bengals couldn't block anybody last year. If you want to know why the Bengals stunk it up in a lot of games, they couldn't block you or me or Sproul, okay? And that was the issue. If you can't block them, you it's can't bad. beat them. I don't care what level, Pop Warner High School, semi-pro, whatever. Okay, Bay State Titans with Eric Swan. I don't care who it is. If you can't block them in football, you can't beat them. And they couldn't block anybody. And the Ravens are in a position now where if they get the right tackle with that line with, you got Lewis coming back from the injury to play in the guard with Yonda. Then you have Stanley at left tackle. If you get McGlinchey, Colton Miller's a left tackle, and let's say they played him at right tackle, I think the fit would be McGlinchey, who's an outstanding right tackle, struggled some at left tackle. So the fit would be McGlinchey. Tight end, critical for Flacco. That's who he goes to. We haven't had them had one since Pitta. Okay, they can really catch the ball. Max Williams has been a disappointment. I thought he'd be good. He hasn't been. But the bottom line is Mark Andrews maybe from Oklahoma in the second round, Mike Gesicki, Penn State, Jordan Aiken, Central Florida. There's going to be a tight end in the second round that I think could be attractive. If they got McGlinchey in the first, the tight end in the second, they would be, I think, on their way to finally – because they went Kirk. defense heavy. This is going to be an offensive draft, guys. Don't make no mistake. It's an offensive 11, draft. 11 of 14 picks in the first three rounds of the last three years have been on the defensive side. They have – focused I mean that that is so heavy in terms of your quality mm-hmm. picks the guys that you expect to be starters 11 of 14 picks in the first three rounds on defense they've got to refocus on this offensive side of the football and the last thing I'll say about the Ravens you would be crazy Todd you, you ever send me in the, out the pasture if I would ever say that <laughs> that the Ravens aren't going to take an Alabama Don't do this player again, Kuiper. <laughs> hey hey the, the, I'm gonna, I can't sit here and say you know Ozzie Newsome okay Alabama Calvin Ridley, who would be nuts? You'd be an idiot to think that the Ravens couldn't take Calvin Ridley. He's an Alabama guy. Ozzie loves Alabama players. He's got several on his team. Drafted one in the first round last year. Drafted one in the first round of the years before that. Yeah, no, C.J. Mosley, and this goes on and Mosley. on. Over the years, since Ozzie's been a Raven, a GM, he's on a Hall of Fame job. Courtney okay. Upshaw. Yeah, keep going, Todd. It didn't end in there. So the bottom line is, if anybody that doesn't think Calvin Ridley's in play is an idiot. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Guys, the last image in your mind always sticks too long, and it probably says more than it should, but the last image in our minds is the Pittsburgh Steelers giving up 45 freaking points to Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jags at home in the playoffs. This is Steel Curtain. Throw it all away. I mean, it just feels like there's 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 some personnel there. There's There's some good players there. But it really feels like that was a wake-up call on the defensive side of the ball for the Steelers. Been trending that way a little bit from a personnel standpoint. Again, they do have some good players on the defensive side of the ball. I look at this team, I think they're going to be able to score some points as long as Roethlisberger is dragging himself around out there. He's got great weapons. Um, but, man, defense, obviously, uh, kind of a tragic injury to Shazier was a big part of it. Todd, is it is it too obvious? Is that game sticking in my mind too much by saying obviously they got to look hard at the defensive side of the ball? 
Um, no, it's not. They certainly do, and I think Shazier was a part of it. But the the issue is you gotta you gotta remain balanced. I mean, again, they're similar to Baltimore. The last four years, nine of their thirteen picks in the first three rounds have been on the defensive side. Yeah. So you know, you've yes, you've got Roethlisberger, you've got your running back at least for for one more year. We'll see how that works out. Antonio Brown obviously is an absolute star. Juju Smith Schuster stepped in and had a really good rookie season. Um, so you you got pieces on the offensive side, but you can't you can't just completely you know you wind up going two or three of your first three three picks on the defensive side again all of a sudden are you replenishing and and working the back end of your roster on the offensive side so I think you got to remain balanced I think as you said there are some pieces I think you absolutely have to move forward unfortunately with the mindset that Shazier is never playing football again because I think we all agree that it's it's a long shot and we're pulling for him but I, I just don't think you can you can move forward with that as part of your plan and they brought in John John Bostic. I don't know if that's you know a, a great answer at the position. I think drafting a linebacker will be part of what they they try to do when it's all said and done. I think another wide receiver could be a possibility. I think cornerback is a possibility. And at some point, you got to add, add another tight end. I think, and I think you you have to consider the quarterback position. I mean, we don't know about Josh, Joshua Dobbs, but I've even heard Kevin Colbert talking recently, and he even he said, you know, we, we've got Dobbs and we're developing him, but quarter, bringing in another quarterback for competition is absolutely part of, you know, part of the plan moving forward, Mel. Pass rush, Todd. When you watch that Jacksonville game, they couldn't get near Blake Bortles. They couldn't mm-hmm. get near him. And, and Dupree, level it off. Watt, I think, playing 16 games plus the playoffs for a college kid. That's a long year. So, yeah, he was outstanding at various stages of the season. Late, you tail off just a bit. Losing Shazier was critical because then they're soft in the belly. You had to put Spence back in there. So they, that, that was just the, the inside of their defense, the interior. That belly of the defense was softer. Um, they add, you know, Burnett to go along with Davis at safety. So you could use another safety in the mix. Obviously, inside linebacker and outside linebacker are neat areas. I was thinking maybe Lorenzo Carter in the first, and I went to Ridley. So I think maybe, as you said, wide receivers are neat. They could look tight end. McDonald had that all-world game late, and you got James, but you don't have a Heath Miller type. That's the thing. You know, Hayden Hurst is kind of a Heath Miller type. Goddard, would you take the tight end there? Would you go Ridley or DJ Moore? Would you take a Lorenzo Carter? You can get maybe Nuoso from USC in the second round. I think pass rush, inside linebacker are critical areas. So two linebackers, inside and outside, a wide receiver, Connor at running back behind Bell, maybe you're okay there. Quarterback, they say with Dobbs, they even worry about that. Losing Hubbard, maybe another tackle because Hubbard moved on to Cleveland. Uh, you know, to me, this is a team beyond the personnel and beyond the draft needs. They got to become a we and us team instead of an I and me team. I saw too much I, me, you know, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, even Ben and all these guys. It's all about retirement of this one. I'm with contract this. I want this. I'm doing a dance here. I'm doing that. It's, get, get, get back to being a team that cares about winning Super. That's all the Steelers were. It's the steal. Be the Steelers. Be the true Can you tell we're overtired today, Spro? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, be, be, be the Steelers. Don't, don't be the Hollywood Steelers. Be the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? Uh, you know, that, that's like the Hollywood Steelers Salty. last year. It was like they were they were they were sent to a different location. It's Pittsburgh. It's the Steelers. The Steel Curtain. Play and act like it. All right, we got to get some mail here. Get out of here. I gotta go. Got to go. Pump some caffeine and aspartame in. Uh, guy, <laughs> Todd, I'll let you get started here. Rick Knight at 
Rick DeRuler, 77.3. Man, I love these handles. Usually telling me what a joke I am, but hey, we'll take the mail too. If Baker Mayfield drops past six, do you see a team making a deal with a team like this, say the Bears, to move up? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, here's the deal. You got the Bucks at seven, the Bears at eight, the 49ers at nine, the Raiders at 10, all have quarterbacks. There you go. The cold, the Colts I talked about potentially moving out of that, that number six spot if the a team like the Dolphins wanted to move up. But I think when you get to 11, that's where you know, let's say no one moves. You get to 11, the Dolphins could use a quarterback. Uh, you get to 12, if Buffalo doesn't move up, they obviously need a quarterback and 15. That's kind of the sweet spot. And I think, you know, the, are the Ravens in the market? Are the Patriots in the market? Are the Chargers who have been quiet but are bringing on in all these quarterbacks? Are, are they in the market? So I, I think, where it gets really fascinating to me is that that's that six, you know, Colts six, Bucks seven, Bears eight, Forty Niners nine, Raiders ten. How if if you really like him, are you willing to let him go a couple picks just to save you a little compensation, or are you just going to say, "Hey, Colts, let's make a deal"? And I think that's where it's going to get really interesting on draft night. Hey, Mel. Amen Sidhu at Gabaru mm-hmm. two thousand one asks after mm-hmm. Denzel Ward goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you guys both have him clearly as the top corner in this draft. Is there mm-hmm. a big drop off in cornerbacks? What point do you think we'll see a run on quarterbacks? A cornerback? Corner, mm-hmm. I think second round is where the big run takes place on corners uh, because they're going to start flying off the board. I think you're going to have Ward go first, obviously top ten. You know, right now Pennsylvania at seven to Tampa Bay who desperately needs a corner, but they could use a Minka Fitzpatrick or a Quentin Nelson. So there's going to be an interesting option there for, for at seven for Tampa because of the four quarterbacks going before them. So they're in a great spot. Uh, they just have to figure out who they want the most and who they like the most. Jair Alexander from Louisville is going to be the second cornerback taken. I think that's, I wouldn't say etched in stone, but I think it's pretty close to being the way it's going to go. Uh, he's going to go, I think, mid-first. Arizona's a strong possibility there. Josh Jackson, Iowa, a lot of mixed opinion. He's a polarizing corner. Everybody's not on the same page on Jackson, but I think he goes in the first round. Uh, and I think you know, right now Mike Hughes from Central Florida goes in the first round. He also has the return ability. It could be a great pick for the New England Patriots because he can help out with Amendola leaving in the return game and obviously a big-time corner. Dante Jackson from LSU, polarizing. Great speed, but a little still a little raw. It's a little inconsistent. So Dante Jackson, sec- early second round, maybe late first. Isaiah Oliver, Colorado's in the second. Carlton Davis, Auburn in the second. You could make MJ Stort, North Carolina in the early second. Anthony Averett, Alabama. Duke Dawson, Florida. This goes on. I think you're, I think you could see Todd. That's one, two, three, maybe six corners going round two. Todd, I'll let you take this one. Um, just because it was something you brought up when we talked about the Bengals. Vegas Buckeye 75 asks, when do the Bengals draft the center? Price Daniels, Ragnow, all quality prospects. What do you think? I think they could in the first round. I mean, when you, when you look at where they're sitting, and Mel was talking earlier about draft lining up for what you need, I don't think they have to necessarily, but I think when you're sitting at 21, and if, you know, if, if the linebacker they, they want isn't there or defensive tackle isn't there or some of these other positions, I think if you can get a, a Daniels out of Iowa, a plug-and-play starter, a guy who can upgrade the, your center position, you brought in uh, Cordy Glenn, as Mel talked about. Uh, to me, listen, you've, we talked about the weapons. If Eifert stays healthy, if you got, you got those young guys, if they start to contribute along with Green, I mean, what else can we provide you? 
QB. What else can we provide you? So I, I think you gotta you gotta solidify the line and give him a chance. But this to me is kind of the last year where if, if it's if you give him another offensive lineman, you give him protection, you give him all these weapons, and if Eifert stays healthy and we still don't get it done, then we got to blow this thing up. Yeah, I would agree. And I think if you take if you think Daniels at twenty one, or would you rather wait until pick forty six? That's a second round pick, and take a Billy Price with the pectoral. That's the only reason he's probably not a first. He could be as good or better than Pat Elfline was as a rookie, and Elfline did a good job in Minnesota or Ragnall from Arkansas. So, do you feel like we can get the center in the second round? We don't have to take Daniels, or do you just feel like Daniels is a lot better than those guys, or we don't want to risk not seeing them on the board then and just take Daniels, a plug and play center who had a uh, you know, I mean Iowa offensive lineman. You usually don't go wrong with Kirk Ferentz offensive. All right, Mel, put a uh, put a bow on this. Final mm-hmm. question. Daniel Brown, Dan Brown, 1982, asks, GM Kuyper, what's your plan, what's your backup plan if Bradley Chubb is not available for you at the Colts at 6? Who, who Who's next up? If Bradley Chubb's not available at 6, Quentin Nelson's going to be there. And when you got Andrew Luck coming off the injury, and you want to keep him upright and not taking hits, uh, the interior of that line, and whether Nelson can be a tackle or not, we'll worry about that when a team drafts them. Who knows? Some have even thought that experimenting with him as a tackle. But as a guard, he's a that old cliche, plug-and-play, 10- to 12-year guy, Steve Hutchinson type. That's what I thought. When I went back to Hutchinson's numbers, Todd, you were still in uh, probably third grade then when Hutchinson was drafted. Todd was but, swearing and getting kicked out of Yeah, I was even before party. that, I think. But uh, when Steve Hutchinson came out of Michigan. A good story similar, to start off the podcast with. Huh? <laughs> similar numbers across the board to Quentin Nelson. Really, I went back and looked at Steve Hutchinson. Hutchinson's numbers, height, weight, strength, number, quickness, all, all the numbers were, were Quentin Nelson-like. And Steve Hutchinson didn't go in the top ten. He went in the middle of the first. He had a Hall of Fame career. I think uh, you know with Nelson, that would be the guy. I think if Indy stays at six, and they got three, they got two seconds this year in a second. That's three starters to go down and still get Bradley Chubb or Quentin Nelson. You can't beat that. So I would say Chubb is gone. Quentin Nelson would be the pick. And by the way... Trade down Mel. They could always trade down if either of them aren't there. I mean, like you said, this is a team that just needs to amp up personnel. Well, you don't go crazy here. You don't want to go crazy with this trade down stuff because you got to be realistic and and really smart about it. At the sixth sixth spot, if you get the number one player on your board. Trade down Kuiper. Now it's telling us to take the running back. You got to reel that guy in once in a while. You know, he gets a little out of line. You know, he gets a little crazy. (laughs) All right. Kuiper guy. But no, I think if if you're at six and you're getting the best player in the draft, which Todd, you said, Quentin Nelson, you could make an argument he's the best player in the draft, right? Or the safest pick in the draft. And you're at six now. You move down from three. Now this guard this guard, okay, that people say you can't take, now is more palatable at six as opposed to three. Well, guys, we did Patriots Palooza after the big trade. They have two first-round picks. We hit the AFC North, always fun. Got a nice ding in there, and uh, we got your mail. Mel, now you can eat. Finally. There we go. Finally, Guys. Todd. Hey, Todd, let's go back to our diet yesterday. How would we do yesterday? You had a salad all day. I had one pancake at 6 a.m. and then a two Rice Krispie treats on the drive home last night when I got back around midnight. I housed You're a camel, Mel. A massive sandwich on the ride home. It what was did you disgusting. end up getting? I mean, Real quick, what did you, where did you go and what did you get on that ride home? I stopped at a sandwich shop, like an Italian deli place, and got a, an Italian sub with extra cheese, oil, vinegar, lettuce, pickles, um, Jeez, you need and to like, you need to like hose off your uh, steering wheel after that. I took, you have no idea. I had to, I had to stop and, and get gas and, and I went in and had to literally get a, a napkin and wet it down and bring it out. It was that disgusting. I mean, your, I, your truck I was a filthy mess and, and I did energy. People right? were like driving by me on the highway looking at me as like, <laughs> as meats were hanging out of my face. <laughs> 
Awesome. Uh, well, guys, we will uh, do it again next week. I don't know if we'll be in studio here or uh, Mel will be at his compound or what, but uh, we'll be back on first draft next week. Maybe we'll have another trade to talk about. That seems to be the seems to be the way it's going. Um, maybe the Giants will be out of there too. Could be fun. We'll do it again. I'm Chris Sproul with Mel and Todd. First draft for this week. Uh, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.